This episode was brought to you by our Patreon supporters, Amy Swan, Blake Popst, Greg Bench, Joel Robertson, Jonathan Edge, and Trey Whetstone. Thank you all. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, Matt Rawlings, and I am joined as always by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Sun, and before we get into the meat of the episode, let me first list out my top 10 things that happened in 2020. Number 10, Deep Purple released a new album. Uh, number one, the year ended. <laughs> there you go. So this is one of my favorite episodes that we do, our top 10 horror movies of the year. So we know what everyone thought of 2020 with the exception of Satan. So Jackson, what did you think of horror movies in general in 2020? Well, it was interesting because at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was like, how is this going to work? How are we going to make a top 10 list for 2020 when there are no new movies being released? But everyone neglected the fact that there was a steady stream of uh, movies coming out on streaming services because these streaming services were like, okay, we're not getting any new releases. Let's just give a deal to some like independent uh, movie and get them on our site. So lots of things are being dropped on over the year. And by the end of the year, it was pretty overwhelming how many titles there were so um we didn't have a lot of those big budget studio movies um with the exception of a few titles but uh this was really the year of the streaming service and of the vod because that it really tested the waters on whether people would see a a new movie if it wasn't in theaters yeah i mean it was great if you were an independent filmmaker who had a film that was making the festival circuit in 2019 Instead of having to continue on the festival market until you got, you know, some competing bids to sell your movie, you know, Netflix and Shudder and Prime and everybody, they were just like busting down the doors, so to speak, of the independent filmmakers for all those films that hit the festivals in 2019. Says, give us, guess we need content, Get, give it to us. And so it was great for them. Oh, yeah, definitely. This was the year of the filmmaker. We saw lots of uh, expressions and new voices that we probably wouldn't have heard otherwise. They probably would have been drowned out by the big budget stuff. And as much as I'm looking forward to like Halloween Kills and Candyman, uh, I probably would have seen those instead of some of the other movies we're going to be talking about uh, today. So I'm glad that we got kind of a breather from the theater system. That said, I don't want them to go away. I don't want the theater to die. I don't want big budget studio horror to die. Um, but I mm-hmm. think that this showed us that streaming is an alternative, a, a really viable one at that. Yeah, we also missed Antlers, which is a movie I want to see. Right. Um, yeah, but... Uh, It gives us something to look forward to in 2021. We did get, I think, a handful of truly great horror films, three or four anyway. And we got, I think, a lot of good or very good horror films and only a few stinkers that I saw. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, uh, I yeah, I would say overall it's it's in the pretty good range would be this year. Nothing mind blowing for me, uh, but then again, there was nothing that was earth shatteringly bad. There's no new The Room this year. Um, even <laughs> the worst, the worst, the what I thought was the worst movie of the year uh, isn't even that bad. It's watchable. So um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good year. And the people that say otherwise uh, obviously haven't been subscribed to Prime or Shutter because they have been dropping content every week. Yeah, I have to say, though, as far as stinkers go, I have not seen Veronica. 
Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm dreading the day when I see that. I'm curious. I'm morbidly curious because of the filmmaker. But uh, yeah, Mr. Not, Glenn Danzig. Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't know why he thought let's do a well. You know, I've been I've been doing so well with music the past five years, right? Uh, let's, I don't let's think now... he's been doing well with music since about 1991, if I yeah. memory serves. But yeah. I mean, the live version of Mother was the last thing I wanted to listen mm-hmm. to. But anyway. Yeah, so he thought, I'm doing so well in, in music, I will do fantastically in, in horror movies. And everybody said, no, please do not do that. And he did it. Uh, I'm dreading the day when I see it. I've seen clips of it already, and it looks terrible. Uh, I, I'm hoping it'll be a so bad it's good, but I'm I'm dreading the fact that it'll just be a so bad it's boring. I uh, Ryan Turret called it the horror version of The Room. Oh, okay, well... In that case, I'm going to have to check it out because I love the room. (laughs) All right. So before we uh, get going, we want to announce that, you know, our list could change as we continue to watch horror movies, as Jackson said. And we build up to our horror Oscar show, which will be in March or April. We're going to do our horror Oscar show a little differently this year. Right, buddy? Um, Mm -hmm. What I'm thinking now is that um, and you can veto this if you want, but we're still talking about it. Uh, We, your humble hosts, will come up with a list of nominations and then we will open up voting for the winners to not just ourselves but to our supporters on patreon as well yeah, yeah that makes perfect sense we and the patreon supporters are essentially the academy the the horror academy right and uh yeah i think that's the best way to do it because that'll give you some different opinions than we're expressing here because even though we will have a wider view of 2020 when we're a couple months into 2021 uh it, it'll it'll also help to kind of broaden our horizons a little bit with some outside feedback so i think that's a great idea yeah and of course like our buddy and Patreon and, and uh, former guest Trey Whetstone, I follow him on Letterboxd. He sees everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. He was the person who, just seeing his reviews, introduced me to a lot of the stuff I saw this year uh, because I agree with him on so much. I was just like, okay, well, I got to check this out. I didn't see everything he saw, obviously, because he saw like 500 movies this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what he thought were the Oscar winners of the season. All right, and you ready to jump in? We're going to begin with our honorable mentions. We each have five honorable mentions before we get to our top ten. You ready to go? Yeah. (coughs) All right. I apologize ahead of time. I've had a cough all week. No, I don't have COVID. Um, But I have had a cough all week, so I'll be sipping on uh, coffee and water, the whole thing. There may be occasional cough here and there, and I apologize for that. So you go first with what was really your number 15, but we'll just call it your number five honorable mention. Mm-hmm. So I rank these in ascending order from, from worst to best. Um, my number 15 is The Babysitter Killer Queen. Not the greatest movie, but it's fun. Um, I think I like the first one better, uh, but this one had a great cast. Uh, Jenny Ortega is going to be in the new Scream movie, so I'm interested to see uh, where her, her career goes as a Scream Queen. Um, yeah, and I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's on Netflix, so check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, I didn't make my list, didn't care for it as, as much. Um, I did like the first one okay, mm-hmm. uh, but this one I thought was, eh, it stretched a little bit farther. But anyway, my first honorable mention is one that I don't think got nearly the love it deserved. It's a horror movie about reincarnation, mm-hmm. which we haven't seen a lot of, and it's from Blumhouse, and it is Evil Eye. Um, it was in my top 10 throughout the year. It's available on Amazon prime. It became one of those four movies that Blumhouse dumped on Amazon prime that you could watch mm-hmm. if you had prime for free. And, uh, it was a good one. I really liked 
Evil Eye. So if you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. You'll recognize the lead actors. If you've seen Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, um, she's wonderful in it. And she may or may not be dating the reincarnation of a man who previously stalked and abused her mother. Oh, so Evil Eye, cool. definitely worth a watch. So, yeah. All right. What's your next honorable mention? My next one is is one that people have either been raving about or hating on, and that scare me. Uh, probably the most unconventional horror movie of the year, I would say. Um, it's essentially for most of the runtime. Scare me is just people telling stories. Not even there's not even any effects or flashbacks or anything. It's just shots of them telling the stories with sound effects. And uh, it's a really interesting experience. It becomes more of a conventional horror movie at the end. Uh, but I think I enjoyed the first two acts more than the third. Um, so just yeah, really great performances overall. Very well written by one of the, uh, one of the uh, lead actors. But I think Aya Cash, who's also uh, in The Boys, was the best actor in, in Scare Me. She was really convincing. She was the uh, more um, weathered writer, the, the more mm -hmm. uh, lucrative writer. And she was really good in it. So I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I can't say it's top 10 material just because um, it does drag in a few places and not all of the kind of jokey elements land. But uh, it's still a really interesting experience. It's like nothing I've seen before. So I thought it deserved a shout out. Yeah, I liked Scare Me. It did make my list. But it is one of those movies you're kind of sitting there thinking, this is kind of a play, right? Mm -hmm. But you're kind of wondering, why has this not been done before? Because it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, from a budget standpoint, uh, especially, and a quarantine standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. So next up uh, for me on my honorable mention list um, is another one that nearly made my top 10, and one of the many that we watched together. It is The Dark and the Wicked. Mm. Uh, we rented this together. It was worth the rental price of three ninety nine on Prime, and uh it didn't make my list because it didn't quite stick the landing in the final scene, mm -hmm. but I'd be shocked if you disagree with me with this. I mean, I know you had some problems with it, but really strong performances in it. Yeah, very natural acting, very well shot. I uh, love the locations. There were a few like one take kind of shots that blew us away, like the choreography of it all, the framing oh. of, of it all. There's one with a barn and some goats that was like, how did they get everything to happen right in that shot? It's just, it's perfect. Um, very oh, yeah, emotionally. You and I both just kind of looked at each other like, wow. Yeah, yeah. And it's in a very emotionally harrowing scene. And it does it, it does land the emotional moments. Uh, when, when it is gory, it is really like disturbing. Um, I agree that the ending wasn't uh, wasn't quite as good. It didn't reach the level of excellence that the rest of the movie had. Also, I think it's a little too uh, like emotionally. It, it wears on my on my nerves too much to rewatch it anytime soon because it is just really, really bleak. Um, but yeah, it's, it didn't make my honorable mentions or my list, but it, I had a great time watching it and it is definitely a horror movie. Some of these on my list are going to be like, well, is it a thriller? Is it a horror movie? Is it a comedy? I don't know. But that is just textbook horror movie from the director of the strangers. And it was fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah I agree. So what do you got next for your honorable mention? My next honorable mention is VFW which is mm. a crazy, neon, drug-fueled action thriller movie. It's like nothing you've seen before. Bunch of old men, uh, classic actors in a bar defending it. 
um, from drug-addled, essentially zombies. They're essentially running zombies, but yeah. they're just really drug-addled bikers. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I don't think it ever reaches a level of mastery, um, but it is competently done all over, um, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll be talking about that again. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, my next honorable mention is one that Jay of the Dead loved and lobbied uh, for that number 10 position when I was finalizing it today. Uh, it's been in and out of my top 10 for a while. It is a bleak, bleak movie. One that I don't want to see again, but one that is very well made. It is currently streaming on Hulu. It is The Lodge. Nice. Nice. Haven't seen it yet. I meant to see it, but I watched another movie that I'm about to talk about uh, later. Uh, yeah, it looks interesting to me. I, it's got kid horror in it, right? Like a yep. creepy kid. I like that kind of stuff. I always find that creepier than creepy adult. Because creepy kid, what are you going to do to the kid? You can't You can't beat up the kid. So you really just well, kind of have to it's, take it. Wait and see. It's. I think you're going to be surprised okay. at some of the things that happen in in the lodge. But like I said, it's... It's a it's a it's a bleak movie. So, yeah. All right. Not something I want to watch again. So what uh, what's next for you? Uh, my next one is one that we saw early in the year together. And that is Becky, which is uh, kind of an interesting movie. Um, I, I it's it's kind of bordering on horror. It's got horror aspects to it. Definitely. It's a very home invasion type thing. But it's, I'd say it's more like an action thriller. Um, it's got Kevin James playing a neo-Nazi, which is really odd, an odd role for him, but I think he really sells it. Um, it's a very physical performance at the end, and the little girl that plays Becky was really, really good, and she kept up uh, acting-wise with Kevin James. Um, so I thought it was a really fun movie. Uh, there's nothing masterful about it. There's no technical aspect that blew me away, but it's just a fun watch, and it gets really, really gory at the end. So uh, I know that you enjoyed watching it with me as well. So, um, yeah, I think it deserves being on my honorable mentions uh, here at number 12. We'll be talking about that one again, too. Ah, okay. <laughs> so another that made uh, nearly made my top 10 list. I watched it late at night when I was tired and somewhat sick and in a rotten mood. And I went back to it after you were higher on it. And on a rewatch, I did like it more. It is a rental from Amazon Prime. It is worth the $5.99 rental price. Uh, although probably not a family watch. And that is Hunter Hunter. Yes. Yes, I love that movie. We will be talking about that later on on my list. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely worth the rental, I think, because it goes in places that you wouldn't expect. So yes. can't wait to talk about that more later. Um, and my number 11 pick, final pick before my top 10 of 2020, uh, that is The Mortuary Collection, which is mm. a, a anthology horror movie, which I just saw today. It's got a great performance by Clancy Brown. I think the yes. first the first uh, story is the weakest out of all of them, and it's also the shortest. Um, but I think they just get better as they go along. And the wraparound story, how it relates to all the the previous stories, was really really interesting. So, um, yeah, I I love this movie. Didn't make my my top ten just because I'm it's fresh in my mind, and I'm not sure where it will settle. Um, but also, I had a problem with a few of the narrative elements. But I won't go into that. Uh, I'm just going to say that I really enjoyed it, and it's my number 11. Didn't make my list. I did like it. Uh, I love Clancy Brown. I think he's an underrated actor. Mm -hmm. As I said on the uh, podcast before I got to meet him. <coughs> oh, there it is again. <coughs> oh, oh, bless oh, your soul. Mm. 
water all week long. Um, Clancy Brown, really nice guy, uh, really big guy, native Ohioan. And um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the mortuary collection, but just didn't quite make mine. Um, so for my number 11 and then uh, my, I guess my number one honorable mention, I cheated. It's a tie. Um, the first one is a Guatemalan film. Uh, it is on Shutter. It focuses on a war criminal who gets off via legal technicality, but his past begins to haunt him and his family. And it is not to be confused with a film from a year or two ago. It is La Llorona. Mm, the good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? The Curse of La Llorona, I thought was okay. I, I didn't hate it. Um, mm-hmm. But this is an excellent film. It's a slow burn in the year of slow burns, right? Can we call this the year of slow burns? Oh, definitely. And that's been a very, I mean, that's the end of 2010s bleeding over into this decade as well. Uh, Like with Hereditary's popularity, we started to see a lot of slow burns. And I don't mind that because when it's done well, that's a very effective uh, pacing to have. Uh, Yeah, I haven't seen La Llorona yet. Uh, haven't seen The Curse of La Llorona yet, but I heard that that was pretty conventional, very conventional type of like um, uh, paranormal jump scare movie, which didn't really interest me. But knowing that there's a good one about kind of the same creature, mythical creature, uh, that interests me. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out before our uh, horror Oscar thing. And especially yes. knowing that it's your number one honorable mention. So that means it's in high standing because I know what your top 10 is like generally. And those are some fantastic movies. So I'm going to have to check it out. Well, yeah, it, it's absolutely excellent. But and it had been in my top 10 for a while. But I also have to mention one more that was also in my top 10 for a long time. Didn't quite make it. But it's one of the two films this year that I had the most fun with. Mm-hmm. And that's The Hunt. Yes, The Hunt. Uh, hilarious. I'm going to talk about that later on. All righty. Um, but yes, I, I definitely understand why that is in your list. All right. So since it's going to be in your list later, I'll let it go with that. That being said, let's get to our top 10. We will continue to go round robin. And Jackson, you go first. What is your number 10 horror movie for 2020? My number 10 is a movie which feels like it came out a million years and a day ago. Uh, It feels like this came out in another decade. uh, (laughs) And that is The Invisible Man. Uh, Mm. You know, as we said earlier, this year has been predominantly filled with, you know, low budget straight streaming titles. But uh, Invisible Man, you know, reminds us that genre veteran directed theatrical studio films, they they really are the gold standard as far as uh, technical qualities go. The movie looks great. It's got great pacing, very efficient, uh, well acted. It's very harrowing, and I think the only reason this isn't higher up on my list is because it's a little too grim and like emotionally harrowing to be enjoyable upon repeat viewing for me. Uh, I think it's a fantastic movie, but like I can't see myself rewatching it, revisiting it anytime soon because it's so frustrating and bleak. Um, it's not like a feel-good type movie, uh, although I guess it does end on a high note. So I'm gonna give this a 7.5 to an 8 out of 10. Um, it's my number 10 spot. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, and I can't imagine you haven't, because that was the first big release of the year as far as horror goes, um, I would definitely recommend checking it out. And we'll be talking about that one again as well. So um, so my number 10, I tell you, it, I was really going back and forth on what the number 10 in my list would be because there were so many, The Hunt, La Llorona, Hunter, Hunter, you know, I was going back and forth. But it came down to Relic. 
Um, <clears throat> I bought Relic for $9.99 on Amazon. I know you recently watched it. I gave it 8 out of 10. I call it a high-priority rental if you can find a place to rent it. It deals with a number of subjects that hit close to home for me uh, because I'm a guy caring for two elderly parents. Um, so you have an aging matriarch who disappears and her daughter and granddaughter show up and creepy stuff begin to happen around the inevitable tragedy of aging and possibly dying. So Relic is my number 10. Yes, yes. Relic, uh, one that I'm definitely happy I saw. Uh, because I will be talking about it later. And uh, yeah, I, I can't disagree with anything you said. And, uh, you know, I, I came at it from a different angle because I'm lucky enough to uh, be young enough that both my parents, you included, are very witty and cunning and still have all your mental faculties. <laughs> uh, but I, I would know if you if you ever if I saw that that uh, that cunning of yours ever slip away for a second, I would move in with you. I would be there with you full time. I would not abandon you like uh, Emily Mortimer does or considers at least. So, yeah, it is a very emotionally harrowing, very um, stressful movie. But, yeah, I can definitely see why this would be on your list. But I'm not surprised that it's so low because um, this is one that I saw late and I'm still hot on it. So I think that's why I put it higher than you. Yeah, it was just it hit close to home. It, It is. Not a movie I will rewatch several times mm-hmm. uh, just because of the subject matter. But, yeah, it, it is definitely worth a watch. It is definitely um, – I think you can rent it on Vudu for like three ninety nine. I think that's definitely worth it, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you're considering seeing it more than once, I would recommend just buying it because uh, this is one of those things that the director hasn't done much yet. But I feel like their trajectory is just going to go up, that they're just going to make more and more good stuff. So I would recommend buying it just to have it and compare it to their next movie whenever that comes out. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So what is your number nine? My number nine is Hunter Hunter, which is uh-huh. one that you talked about earlier. I'm not sure how you what emphasis you put on there. Is it Hunter Hunter or is it Hunter Hunter? Uh, I guess you could say it. I have ways. no idea. Yeah. Um, this one took me by surprise because it's a straight-to-VOD thriller co-starring Devin Sawa, and if you can think back to the last time that happened, uh, you'll no doubt remember Fred Durst, the fanatic. Uh, <laughs> so I had very low expectations going into this one, and I was I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Hunter Hunter, it was shot on location in the woodlands of Canada. It's naturally lit. Um, it's an overall slow burn, intelligent. Um, and I guess tasteful experience until the ending. Um, but yeah, at the, in the climax, this movie goes full balls to the wall, crazy gore, you know, exhilarating. Um, and I thoroughly enjoy myself all the way through on this one. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I give it a rewatch, but again, this is another one of those ones that really plays with your nerves and your emotions and it has a very bleak ending. Uh, but I think this one's slightly more satisfying, so I can see myself rewatching it. Uh, I would give it an eight out of 10 and definitely recommend that you see it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It, 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 like I said, and also co-stars Nick Stahl, right. who a lot of people remember either from Terminator 3, which was just a so-so movie, or from Sin City, where he plays a creep, and apparently he has replicated that in real life, so I wasn't a big fan. When I saw the cast, I was, uh, do I really want to see this, but yeah, it surprised me. So. Well, but with, and we'll just say that it, if you like Nick Stahl, maybe don't watch this movie because of what happens to him, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I guess I just gave that away. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. We may have to edit that out, but <laughs> it, 
it's a, I'll just say this. It's a very satisfying movie in some parts and very uh, devastating in others. Um, yeah. So if you're interested in it at all, I would recommend uh, watching it and sit through the whole thing because it starts out really slow. But by the end, it's one of those kind of like powder keg movies where everything kind of explodes at the end. Yeah, absolutely. So my number nine is an Indonesian film uh, from director Yoko Anwar, and it can be found on Shudder. And it is Impedigor. Um, this is a film that follows a young woman, Maya, uh, living around the poverty line in the city along with her best friend. And they try to discover if Maya's uh, homestead is worth something so that they can better their lives. But they find the village that is located where it's located in the kind of middle of the sticks. And it turns out the villagers are not too happy in some ways to see her. It has a great opening scene reminiscent of an opening um, scene in a John Carpenter anthology film. I'll leave it at that. A couple of brutal scenes with a twist. Uh, I also gave this an 8 out of 10, and I definitely think you should check it out on Shudder. That is in Pedagore, my number nine. I haven't seen this one yet. I'm definitely interested uh, because I love foreign horror, and the poster looks absolutely disturbing. So... Um, can't wait to check that out. And with a title like Empedagore, you can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what is your number eight, buddy? My number eight is a little movie that you mentioned before, and it is called The Hunt. Um, nice. This is a movie, it's a movie that I was excited for because of the cast. The first time I watched it, I was slightly disappointed. Um, then I think I really came around on it after revisiting it. It's a it's a really political uh, comedy action horror romp. It's got some really funny jokes and its fair share of clunkers. Um, but I think the cast is so good. Um, I love how the movie plays protagonist hot potato at the beginning, and we really don't settle into following a main character until the end of the first act. Uh, I think that's a really good device to keep the viewers on edge. Um, and without a doubt, I would call this one of the most fun movies of the year. Uh, as I said in the beginning, you know, I was initially disappointed by the hunt. I expected more from it. I gave it three stars out of five and called it a cautious oh, yeah. rental. Okay. Yeah. But now I would give it four stars out of five. I'd say it's an eight out of 10. And I think you should definitely see this before you move on to what 2021 has to offer. I may buy this actually, because it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's got it's such a star studded cast. Um, and Betty Gilpin is so good in it. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and other actors from Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, which we've mentioned. Yeah, and she's she's wonderful in it. So, uh, my number eight can be found on Netflix. It's a movie that I believe you and I both watched, and you've had some contact with the filmmakers on Twitter. And it is One Br. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this movie for so many reasons. It's set in L.A., uh, which I love. Um, I kind of have nostalgia for that. Wouldn't move back, but I do have nostalgia for L.A. Uh, And also a movie about an insidious cult. So that hits a couple of boxes for me. I also gave this an 8 out of 10, and I say definitely check it out. I mean, you should definitely go look for it and give give it a watch. Yeah, I don't. I have never lived in LA, never been to LA, but I will say this: I live in a par- an apartment complex, not dissimilar from the apartment complex in One BR. So it definitely got to me. I will be talking about One BR later on, uh, ah. but yeah, I can definitely see why you would love it, and I think you'll understand why I loved it. Absolutely. So, what is your number seven? My number seven is one that I saw this week, uh, one that you recommended. It's streaming on Hulu, and it's called Sputnik. Um, nice. I said in my Letterboxd review. That Sputnik is kind of like a collage uh, of 100 movies that I've seen before. 
but that it never uh, suffers because of its obvious influences. And I think I'll stand by that. If you like Arrival, Alien, uh, Stranger Things, or even the, the Shape of Water to a certain extent, I think you'll find at least one aspect to like in this movie. Um, it's a Russian sci-fi thriller. It's set during the Cold War, so it's got some fantastic uh, period piece design. And the soundtrack was phenomenal. I'm actually debating on whether it was my favorite uh, score of the year or not. That said, I think it drags a little in the second act, and I mm -hmm. don't think it quite sticks the landing at the end of the third. But all the acting is great, and the writing is competent, and the lighting and cinem cinematography, I think, are strong enough to overcome those sloppy narrative elements as well. So at the end of the day, I give this an 8 out of 10. I would definitely recommend you stream it on Hulu just to see, because I haven't seen any horror movies out of Russia. It's the first one I think I've seen, and it was a phenomenal showing. Yeah, it didn't make my list, but I did like it a lot. I mean, I think I gave it a 7 or a 7.5. Mm -hmm. So it just barely missed my list. I, I agree with you on the soundtrack. That, it's fantastic. It's really good. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that when I watched it. The performances are really good. I, I agree that it drags a little in the second act. I also think that the CGI is a little wonky at times. Yeah, I, I will say this. It's an alien creature movie, and the alien creature looks really good in some spots and really uh, subpar in others. It's just one of those hit-or-miss things. You could say that about any movie, though. You could say that about Prometheus. So, um, yeah, I, I think it would have been better practical, but I still found it really compelling. Yeah, no, I, I can't argue with you. I did, I did like it. I did recommend it on Letterboxd, and, and uh, in fact, I got a message from our buddy, Big Banville, Big, blah, 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 Big Bill Van Vagel, um, <clears throat> just before we started recording, and that's, he had just finished watching Sputnik, so mm -hmm. there we go, he's getting ready to ramp up his best of 2020 for the Land of the Creeps. Yes, can't wait for that. Absolutely, so my number seven is a movie we watched together, and you mentioned it already, it's one of the action horror movies. Uh, we've seen, and it has an improbable antagonist. And I would just put it this way. There was a girl, and when she's good, she's good. But when she's bad, she's very, very bad. Oh, it's yes. Becky. Becky, Kevin James, an escaped neo-Nazi, Lulu Wilson as one BA kid. Um, and she's awesome in it. Uh, it is available for rent for $1.99 on Prime, and it is worth it. I, I listened to Land of the Creeps this, this week. Big Bill wasn't as high on it because he could not—he he had a hard time. He liked the movie. He just had a hard time with Kevin James, that voice, you know, because right. he's hard to physically recognize in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the shaved head and the tattoos and all that kind of stuff, <clears throat> and it looks, looks like he lost a little weight, put on a little muscle. Uh, he looks menacing in it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And but that didn't bother me. I think, you know, when he's threatening the family, um, I, I think he's pretty effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And so and, I, um, I I really like this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and so, you know, there's there's another uh, uh, Kevin James's character has a buddy who's a former wrestler whose character kind of goes all over the place. You, you can't help feeling sorry for him, but at the same time, you know, it, he meets uh, an end, and it's just, oh, boy. It, it's, it's a roller coaster ride. And Joel McHale, another guy known for comedy, from, like, Community and so forth, he's in it, and I thought he was good as the dad in a pretty yeah. understated role. 
Yes, very restrained role, very serious. Uh, he He's a little, uh, like, he plays around a little bit, but he's mostly just a serious dad trying to protect his kid. So, um, yeah, that was really, it's really interesting to see these normally comedic actors take on these serious roles, whether as protagonists or antagonists. That was a really interesting experiment, and I think they mostly pulled it off. Um, the reason it wasn't as high up on my list as it was for you is because I, I didn't think that any of the technical aspects were like mind-blowing but then again i i haven't seen it since we watched it together so maybe yeah, upon I, repeat viewing I, i'll appreciate it a little bit more i liked the <clears throat> yeah the cinematography wasn't anything groundbreaking or the editing or anything but i there were a couple shots i really liked if you remember there's a scene that's i think draws from my spit upon your grave where uh becky uh uses a um a uh, boat Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I thought that was about. well shot and I thought that was well done. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I liked Becky a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. And so it's uh, my number seven. So, what is your, but I guess, well, I guess we should both say this is also an eight out of 10 for me. And, and I, I think we both, since it was on your honorable mention, I think we both suggest that it's worth the rental price of $1.99 on Prime, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and this is very entertaining. I can see you watching this more than once, so I would definitely recommend you check it out and rent it um, and support uh, independent filmmaking. Absolutely. Yeah, Greg Amorty said he was going to buy it when it was available. He likes it that much. So, All right. What is your number six? My number six is Freaky. Uh, Freaky is another one like... It's another one like The Hunt, where it's got some serious issues here and there, but I don't really care because of how fun it is. Um, I, I think the things that elevate this movie uh, above The Hunt are the performances from by the two leads. Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn, they're both fantastic in their dual roles, and they're easily you know, the highlight of the movie, especially Vince Vaughn. Um, this is kind of a comeback for him, in my opinion. At this point, I, I can confidently call this the best Christopher Landon film. I, I came out of this thinking, okay, it's better than happy death day to you but maybe not the first one but i I pondered it over you know i think the r rating really helps the gore in this really helps to make it uh, more tense and horrifying um so i think this is my favorite christopher landon film i cannot wait to see what he does next i don't know if he's going to keep going with these uh comedy parody horror movies where he parodies like a classic comedy and makes it a horror movie um, but if he does, I'll certainly be interested to see what he does next. Um, because Freaky was an easy eight out of, eight out of ten for me. Uh, I'd call it a must watch, and I definitely recommend you rent it on VOD. Absolutely. So <clears throat> this is going to uh, this is serendipitous. So 2020 has been a horrible year. We we all agree on that, right? This has been mm-hmm. just a dumpster fire of a year. When I'm, you know, I um, you share my Hulu account. I don't have the premium Hulu. I have the cheap Hulu. So I still have commercials. And I don't know if you've seen this commercial on Hulu. It's my favorite. <clears throat> it's a dating app commercial, which I have no interest in. But there's this commercial where Satan is on a dating app. And Yes, I did see that. Yeah. And he's wandering around to meet the girl he's been matched with. And she shows up and he looks at her and goes, are you 2020? And she goes, call me 2020 and <laughs> they run off together and they they see uh see movies in an empty movie theater they have a picnic and in the middle of an empty football stadium and then they go raid toilet paper out of a public bathroom um and you know and it's like make 2021 your year you know because it's 2020 has been satan's year <coughs> and here we go again 
<laughs> and so this year has been dominated by art house, slow burn, and as we've said, often bleak films, right? Mm-hmm. And I admire indie films with guts, but sometimes you just want something done well that is fun, like uh, Final Girls from 2015. And this was another movie we watched together that I loved. It is freaky at number six. Um, awesome. I, you know, I paid a whopping $20 to rent this sucker from Amazon. Mm-hmm. But you, I, and Megan watched it together. So I figure that's eh, the same price going to the theater, right? Yeah. And, 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 I, and we had a blast. It was worth it. I just wish I had, we all had theater popcorn and fountain soda to go with it. But mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn is so good in this movie um playing both roles if you don't know anything about it's enough to say it's basically i am absolutely convinced at some point there was a screenplay that landon had written that was originally titled freaky friday the 13th Mm -hmm. freaky friday and friday 13th because in fact uh it shows you the countdown and when does the big switcheroo happen because this is this is like an 80s body switch movie slasher and the body switch happens on Friday the 13th, right? Friday the 13th. Right. Yeah. There's even a big title card. I mean, it counts down. You're wondering why. It's it's like uh, Wednesday the 11th. You're like, okay, what does that mean? And then it's like Thursday the 12th. And you're like, all right. And then when they switch bodies, as soon as they wake up in each other's bodies, it's Friday the, thir- the 13th. And that was a really That's funny right. thing. I definitely think that it, this should have been called Freaky Friday the 13th. But due to the legal issues with the Friday the 13th name, they right. probably had to just go with Freaky. I, I think you're probably right. But, I mean, Vince Vaughn goes from being menacing to playing this insecure teenage girl. And it, his mannerisms are so good in it, don't you think? Oh, yeah, it's perfect. And he's not just playing any teenage girl. He's not over-exaggerating. Like, oh, he's not like, OMG, hashtag. He's playing Catherine Newton. He's playing right. that specific teenage girl. And that was a really good touch. They have the thing where Catherine Newton, when she's in, in her own body, she chews on her fingernails. So then when Vince Vaughn's nervous, he chews on his fingernails. And I thought that was a really good touch. Just a little character moment uh, to really tell you who's in whose body. Um, and yeah, he's he's fantastic. Catherine Newton as well. I thought she was good, but um, she's not as like outstanding as Vince Vaughn because he's a seasoned actor. But I think this is definitely my favorite role uh, in the past 10 years, at least. Maybe since Norman Bates in Psycho. And that movie sucks, but he was good as Norman Bates. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's probably since Wedding Crashers. But anyway, it's um, I gave this an eight out of 10. It's definitely worth a rental for a group. Though, as you said, it's kind of gory. There's no nudity. There is a sex scene, but they don't really show anything early on. So I'm not sure I would recommend you show this to kids under 13. Would you Would you follow along with that? Yeah, and yeah, the, the gore is probably the thing. I guess there's some language, too. There is some pretty sexual language in it at, at points for comedic use, but... Um, yeah, this is this is a R-rated movie. It is definitely an R-rated movie without the nudity. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I would recommend a group. And this is a new thing. That's why it's so expensive to rent. I mean, it just came out in November. So it makes sense as to why it's so expensive. Because like you saw, Becky is now one ninety nine. So it, right. it goes down over a while. So if you're not overly interested in it and you think you're just going to watch it by yourself, I would wait a little bit. But this is definitely one that I would add to my watch list. Yeah, and I think I'm going to buy it when it hits Blu-ray. Because yeah, I think I, it's that much fun. It's worth it. Yeah, I would I would definitely like to see a rewatch of it, especially with some friends um, who like horror movies. Yeah, I th- I, this is a good party movie, I would say. 
Absolutely. So what is your number five? My number five is one that we both appreciate, that we both watched. It's on Netflix right now, and it's called His House. Um, His House was one that flew under my radar uh, until I finally saw it popping up on people's Letterboxd accounts, uh, always with a four-star rating or more. So I I knew I had to check it out. Um, And when I did, I I liked the visuals in the first act, but in the first act, I was kind of underwhelmed, that is, with the horror aspects. But as it went on... I grew to appreciate it more and more. And by the end, I, I definitely knew this would be top five material. Uh, it's slow. There's lots of build up. But once something is revealed to you in the third act, you immediately see the whole movie uh, in a different light. And I have to praise it for that. So great acting, uh, great writing, great camera work. Were I to complain about one thing, it would be the score in the first half of the movie, which I mm-hmm. found kind of underwhelming. But other than that, uh, then the score and the slow start this is a really masterful film. And it's the first feature, I think, or maybe the second feature. It's, it's first or second feature from Remy Weeks, who's a new director. Um, so I'm interested to see what he does next. Uh, I give it an 8.5 out of 10, and I'd recommend you stream it on Netflix. His house was fantastic. And we will be talking about that again. So, yeah, stick around for that. So, yeah, it is on Netflix. And I'm looking up right now, Remy Weeks, because I didn't look that up to see how many credits that he has. I'm looking up his IMDb page. And he has four credits as a director. But, yeah, the the other, he had a uh, two shorts and a TV miniseries. This is his first feature film. Okay. And it was fantastic for that. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of British uh, horror movies. The only other British horror movie I saw this year uh, was a movie called Jack in the Box, which I did not care for. But uh, <laughs> but this this was really, really good. Um, I loved the, the two leads in it. They were fantastic. And they go through a whole range of emotions in this movie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Really great directing. All right. My number five is a Shutter film that some, including you, have described as the get out for the gay community. Um, mm-hmm. Though I know you haven't seen it all the way through. Um, it is to a degree, but it rose for me because the absolutely incredible performance by, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. I believe he's a Canadian actor, Jeffrey Bauer, Bowyer Chapman as Malik, and it is Spiral. Um, I definitely will be voting for his performance in the best actor category. I think he's that good. I think he carries the film though. I really like, um, the twist. And so I think I gave it an 8.5 out of 10 and it is worth checking out and it's streaming on shutter. So if you have shutters, no reason not to give it a go. I know it has been fairly, um, critiqued as as the get out for the LGBTQT community, but I think it's I think it's a little different than that. I, I do think that there is a a big difference in the end, and it's also got a very good supporting cast as well. It's not as good as Get Out, but it is very very good, and so definitely recommend Spiral. This is one that I'm going to have to see before we do our horror Oscars. This and Lodge. Um, yeah, I did see the first act or some of the first act and I enjoyed it, but I was, I thought that I could spend my time better on other things, but knowing that you like it this much, I'm definitely gonna have to check it out. And, uh, it's been getting a lot of praise, but also a lot of critiques. I'm not sure it seems to divide people, but, Mm -hmm. um, this is, this is one that I think deserves uh, a fair watch from me. All right. Good deal. So what is your number four? 
My number four is something that you mentioned earlier, 1BR. Uh, I love cult horror movies. I live in a very uniform, seemingly idealistic apartment complex. (laughs) Uh, So I think it was inevitable that I would enjoy 1BR. You're in the Ohio suburbs, so... Right, not the same as 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 L.A., but I mean, it is a apartment complex with like rules and very close quarters. Um, but yeah, I, I related somewhat. Um, the the camera work in this movie was really really good, but simple. The score was great, but it was reserved. Um, it's a really restrained yet emotionally harrowing and effective uh, horror flick. It's, it's basically about mind control. That's basically what the movie is about. It's about cult leaders and mind control and this perpetual cycle of leaders converting other people to be leaders and then them converting other people so that it's a never-ending you know, loop of. And, and I think some parallels can be made to real-life cults, but this is totally different. It's a very small sect of people, very insulated um, great performances from Taylor Nichols and Nicole Bryden Bloom. Those are the cult leader and the main character, respectively. Um, they were fantastic. I thought the script was good. I loved the ending. The ending was really, really bleak, and its implications were, were uh, really cool. Um, yeah. No real negatives with this one, other than the fact that it doesn't really become anything other than it presents itself at the end of the first act. It's pretty straight and narrow, but I don't think it has to be anything different than that. So I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Um, I would recommend you stream 1BR Netflix and uh, follow them on Twitter because they are very active. They are. And yeah, I, I can't argue it's in my top 10. It's a great movie. Uh, some brutal scenes. Mm-hmm. Really some scenes that make you flinch. And so, yeah, it's 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 definitely, definitely got to check that out. So my number four is a movie that's already been mentioned, an action horror film that, in my opinion, has the best ensemble cast of the year. We're talking Stephen Lang from Don't Breathe. We're talking Martin Cove, the sensei from The Karate Kid. William Sadler, the big bad from Die Hard 2. And, and a nice guy in Shawshank Redemption. We're talking David Patrick Kelly. Warriors, come out and play. We're talking about Fred Williamson, who horror fans will know from Dust Till Dawn. But he's just got a huge career. We're talking about George Went, Norm from Cheers. We're talking about V. FW. Oh, I loved VFW so much. I will buy this. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. And I, it's just, man, as a kid who grew up in the 80s, to have Stephen Lang. I mean, in the 80s, Stephen Lang was the was the um uh kind of low-life reporter and manhunter. You know, Martin Cove, uh, not only the Karate Kid movies, but he was in Rambo First Blood Part Two. Mm-hmm. You know, these all these actors, David Patrick Kelly was also a scumbag in Commando. I mean, so many great people. Of course, George Went was also in the original House movie with William Catt. Oh, right. Uh, so much fun. I love VFW. Yeah, yeah. This is the best cast of the year, I will say. Um, Really great uh, collection of action actors. And it is really stylish. I mentioned how neon it is. It's very well lit, uh, very interestingly shot. Um, And it is really high intensity the whole way through, except for the beginning and the end, which are like really subtle and restrained. Most of it is just exhilarating action. And uh, it's just like the 80s, I guess you could say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna argue with that i guess i'd like to but i can't so um what is your number three my number three is one that i'm not seeing a whole lot of people 
uh, talk about. I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe I'm in the minority here, but my number three is Vivarium. Um, uh, been Jesse a while Eisenberg, since, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, been a while since I watched this one, but I remember it absolutely flying by. It was on Prime. Uh, it's a sci-fi horror flick set in a really weird location, and I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't seen the trailer, because I, th- I think it would work well uh, if you're just watching the movie and, and this is revealed to you. Um, great performances by the two leads. Uh, love the camera work. That's something, honestly, I can say about every movie in this in this, uh, in this top ten list. The camera work this year was amazing. It seems like cinematographers are really getting it under wraps. They're really bringing it this year. Um, that was really well written. And uh, But the real reason Vivarium is this high up the list, the real reason it's my number three, is because of the amazing set design. It just looks like no other movie. Everything is so plastic and manufactured. It looks really cool. It's a weird, almost trippy, almost Lovecraftian at times horror film. Uh, and the implications that the ending presents, um, I think, are just as scary as the actual content of the movie. So I'd give Vivarium an 8.5 out of 10. Recommend you stream it on Prime. Again, I haven't seen it in a while, but it left a big impression on me. And just looking at the poster right now, I can definitely say that this is one of the most unique horror movies I've ever seen. It is unique. It didn't make my list. Um, <clears throat> did make as big of an impression on me, but I did like it. Um, I did recommend it. Um, I do think it is a strong film. I know Dr. Uh, Shock was big on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. So, strong number three. My number three is another movie we watched together. It is short. Um, it is a found footage film from Down Under, which is on Shutter, and it is Host. Um yes. I know people have some problems with it. Jay of the Dead has some problems with it that I, I think are easily explained. The first time I watched it, I was like, why are they carrying around their laptops with them and investigating noises? Well, if you were home alone during, during a seance and you were on a Zoom call, I think I'd take my laptop with me, too, just to have some mm-hmm. backup. Uh, so I, that in, the first time I watched it, I thought, why are they doing that? And the second time I watched it, oh, yeah, I'd probably do the same thing if I were them. So really like this one. Perfect film for the year of Zoom. Um, I give it anywhere between an 8.5 and a 9. Definitely check it out on Shutter, And it's best to watch late at night with the lights out. Yes. Host was very effective. I remember watching this with you and Megan. Uh, and she did not watch it. She had her eyes trained on the, on the sofa the entire time. <laughs> uh, because it is scary. It, it's, really, because it's really effective because these characters are so instantly likable. There's nothing about their characters that's like super defined. But you know instantly that you like them. And they're very well acted. Um, it's really short. It's really simple. There's not a lot of outstanding technical aspects to it because it's so, it relies so heavily on the quarantine style of filmmaking. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, it seems like they went through this movie in one take several times to get it right just to make it believable that they could all do this you know in one take together and i'm sure they stitched together the best parts from the from the best takes but still it's very impressive that they could do this entire movie together um and it didn't make my list uh but uh it it was a good time i had a good time watching it and the fact that it's dropped on shutter for anybody to see um i don't think you have an excuse not to see it absolutely absolutely so what is your number two my number two is one that I know you didn't love, and that movie is Possessor. Uh, everybody's talking about this movie, uh, so I don't have too much to add, but I, I will say it's exactly what you've been told it is and more. It's, it's trippy, it's bleak, it's mature, it's unbelievably Cronenberg-esque. 
Um, I haven't seen Brandon Cronenberg's first movie, Antiviral, but I'm interested now because Possessor was a feast for the eyes. Lots of yellows and reds and trippy sequences. Um, I would call Possessor a must-see this year. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. I would go that high. I know you didn't feel an emotional connection to it, which is true. Mm -hmm. None of the characters are sympathetic. They're all kind of cold, and they all do really deplorable things. Um, but the visuals and the concepts and the world it builds alone, I think are enough for me to give this a nine out of 10. It doesn't overstay its welcome, but it is really slow. Um, so yeah, I'm sure I will see this again. I definitely want to see the uncut. I want to see the possessor uncut Blu-ray, um, because I can't even imagine this movie being any slower and longer. I want to see what else they add to the world. Um, but yeah, I'm calling it a 9 out of 10. I'm sure that everyone listening to this has seen it already because it's kind of other than, than The Invisible Man. It seems like the biggest movie of this year, the thing that most people are talking about, because that poster itself is so iconic. The poster is great. Um, I cannot argue with you from a technical aspect. It's very well made. It's a very well made film. Mm-hmm. And when we watched it together, I think I said that after it was done. I said, hey, look, I mean, shot well, great cast. Um, you know, I can't argue with any of that. It, it reminds me a little bit of Gaspar Van Noe's um, Climax. Sure. Yeah. Climax was so well shot, so well choreographed, so well edited. But I hated every person in the movie. I hated every character so much that I just didn't care. Yeah. You know, and and I feel the same way about Possessor. Now, I like Possessor more because I think I gave it seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. So I recommended it to people. I definitely think people should see it. And Jay of the Dead loves this movie. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I can see why. I just yeah, it just left me cold. I just I just could not connect with any of the characters. And that's my my only problem with it was the was the screenplay. I thought you've got to give me somebody to connect to here. Um, though, like I said, I mean, even the supporting cast, Jennifer Jason Lee's great in it. Mm-hmm. And Sean and, Bean. Yeah. And Sean Bean. I mean, it's one of those, if you don't know anything else about it, it's basically, um, it, it, the, and it, you're the one who told me this cause I didn't recognize it. it's the actress from Mandy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mandy is the lead character. Uh, and she essentially like through a matrix type headset type thing possesses people by putting her essence into their body and she possesses them to carry out hits to, to carry out assassinations. Um, and she's a corporate hit. Woman. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a corporation that is contracted by people in higher places who want to get higher, who want to climb the ladder, uh, but have run into a brick wall. They are going to eliminate whoever's above them. That seems to be the main use. And that's what we see in the movie. Um, yeah, it, it, I think the one person that you can sympathize with is the guy that, that she possesses, Colin. Um, but then again, you never see him. You see him for one brief scene before he's possessed by the main character. And then at the end, he kind of slips. He, he kind of regains control of his body a little bit. But he's fighting He's fighting against Mandy the entire time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's more who you sympathize with conceptually than who you sympathize with on screen. Because I feel like there's a lot of subtext in this movie that you have to dive into. Um, but it is it's it's really bleak. It's not fun. 
um, because it's really, really gory and very mature and disturbingly sexual, I would say. There's sexual stuff combined with violence, and that doesn't sit right with a lot of people I know, but it's Cronenberg. I mean, what do you expect? Uh, Brandon Cronenberg, we should say. Right, but it obviously runs in the genes. They're making the same (laughs) kind of movies. And it seems to me like Brandon is kind of like, okay, what do I do? You know, my dad's known for one thing. I guess I'm going to kind of do that. I would love to see him do something completely different, something a little bit more grounded, less sci-fi, with the same amount of high-quality visuals that he did in Possessor. Um, But Possessor, you know, as it stands, as a movie, I give it a 9 out of 10. I think it's fantastic. All right, fair enough. Well, my number two was the last movie I saw in theaters before the lockdown. Uh, It contains one of the best performances uh, I've seen the last few years by Elizabeth Moss. It's been mentioned before. It is Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man. Yes, yes. Fantastic movie. And yeah, Elizabeth Moss, I forgot to mention, both Elizabeth Moss and I don't remember the guy's name, but who plays her cop, the guy who plays her cop friend. Yeah. uh, He was fantastic. And the performances are just fantastic across the board. Yeah. And I mean, you think about how daunting it was for Lee Whannell to reboot the Universal, you know, series, especially after Universal had flubbed it so badly. Right. With Tom Cruise's The Mummy. Mm-hmm. I mean, how bad was that? Yeah. And Tom Cruise's The Mummy and Dracula Untold are just so bland. I mean, they took a horror, a classic horror movie uh, title and made an action movie out of it, which was so gray and boring. I don't, I don't know how they messed it up so bad, but but they, they got the message. They gave it to a, to a genre veteran, and he made a horror movie. And The Invisible Man, though very different than the original uh, Universal classic movie, um, I think it stands on its own as a really great movie, even without The Invisible Man name. If this was attached detached from it and The Invisible Man aspect was taken out and it was just the story that it is at its core, which is about abuse and, and being followed around by past abuse and, and uh, your past struggles this would still be a really strong movie due to, to the camera work and the performances but i think that the invisible man aspect really adds a level of dread to it as well yeah and the actor you're referring to is aldous hodge who plays <clears throat> her friend who people recognize him um he played mc wren in straight out of compton he was levi jackson in, in hidden figures and so he's been acting for a long time he's only 34 but he's been acting since like 1995 that's awesome. Yeah, he's yeah. he's great in this movie. I think he honestly, in some scenes, outshines Elizabeth Moss, who is a very well seasoned and uh, awarded actor. I mean, that and deservedly scene, so. She's a good actor, right? But I'm thinking of the scene whenever he's fighting against uh, the Invisible Man in the hallway, and I won't give too much of the context in that scene because it's kind of a spoiler. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was amazing. Just, and all the actors, their ability to interact with an invisible person when they did it in the thirties, I mean, it was a wonder back then, but now they've got it down to a science. Yeah. Yeah. Hats off to, uh, Lee Winnell, to Elizabeth Moss, to Aldous Hodge, to everybody in it. And yeah, it's got kind of a nostalgic thing. Cause yep. I mean, uh, Megan and I saw that literally just about a week and a half before lockdown mm-hmm. and, uh, oh, oh, Jackson, you know how much I love popcorn theater yep. popcorn. I know you do. And it's one of those things like it's like Tiger King where that felt like it was a million years ago but it was earlier in 2020. It's it's one of those things this where whole before year the pandemic feels like it's been 10 years. Right. Before the pandemic everything felt like it was moving faster and then as soon as lockdown happened slow every month felt like a year. 
Um, but looking back on it, now that we're in 2021, it really didn't feel like that long. It, it wasn't that bad. We got through it together. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and Invisible Man definitely helped. Yeah, well, um, it felt like, it still feels like 10 years to me. Um, <laughs> it's just been a terrible year. And then on top of that, I don't know how many people know this who listen, but I worked on Capitol Hill for two years. I worked in the Capitol for two years as a legislative aide to a congressman. And then this week we had the, you know, the invasion by a mob of the capital so, of the United so States. So stupid. And I oh was, uh, at which it cost four people their lives and, yeah. and just, you know, they just destroyed the, you know, the Capitol building on, on, on just, just tear, tore it apart. And I was a member of the Capitol Hill Historic Society. I was an official tour guide when I worked there. Uh, it was heartbreaking. And it just like the spirit of 2020 just doesn't want to die. It's just like, you know, we need to shoot this thing in the head just like Billy Loomis before he jumps up again. But, um, oh, man. Anyway, so all that bleakness being aside, what is your number one horror film of 2020? That's the only thing left. All our memories. Mum, what is it? It's here. Who are you talking to? Your grandfather passed this house seems unfamiliar. Well, maybe not putting all bleakness aside, because my number one is Relic, uh, <laughs> which is a very bleak movie. Uh, you mentioned that you loved it. I loved it as well. I loved it to a greater extent. Again, I'm hot on the thing. I just watched it the other day. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. It preyed on a few very specific fears of mine, not even the family thing, but there's a there's a part with the daughter where she's in the walls. And if you haven't seen the, the movie, this won't make any sense, but she's in the walls. There's a scene where the wall catches up with her and she's kind of in this like ceiling bound room. It's very odd. That's one of my greatest fears. Claustrophobia combined with like rooms, like blank rooms. Yeah. Uh, so this movie really worked for me, both both aspects. And the familial thing is what people have, have, have uh, been writing home about. I said in my letterbox review that Relic is what The Visit should have been. And I like The Visit, but it is definitely nowhere near as good as something like Split or The Sixth Sense. 
it could have been so much better. And Relic, I feel like, perfected the idea that, that The Visit was trying to get. Um, it's got that kind of creepy old person thing, but it's not just, it doesn't just stop there. Well, it's like, oh, old people are creepy. It also, it also has a lot of heart. It's upsetting, but it's also like, you really sympathize with the characters. It's, it's gut-wrenching. And there are parts in this where it does really feel like you're one of the characters and you've just been punched in the gut and your whole world is falling out from underneath you. Um, I, I love the performances. I love Australian media, especially Australian comedies. And this movie, Relic, it really proved that uh, the Aussies can also bring it in the, in the horror genre. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what this director does. If I'm not mistaken, this is her first uh, feature as well. Um, but um, she did do a short film before this, which is basically Relic. She made a short film about like the mm -hmm. same concept as Relic and then made it into a feature. Uh, I'm assuming she got funding from Jake Gyllenhaal, who produced this movie, um, which is cool. Oh. But uh, yeah, slow burn pacing, but the runtime is really short, so I can see why people complain. You know, the first act feels kind of directionless. But the, the second and third acts are exhilarating. Uh, they're, they're heartbreaking. And I would give this a 9 out of 10. Um, I would definitely recommend you check it out on Amazon. I'm so glad that you bought it. Um, because I'm sure I will see this again. Even though this is, this is emotionally harrowing and it ruined me. Uh, I think I, I think I'll watch it again just because there's so many layers to it. It's about it's about death and the the slow march and inevitability of rot. And as as morbid as that sounds, it's kind of beautiful at the end. I don't know. It's very symbolic and metaphorical. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And like I said, <clears throat> if I weren't currently caring, you know, spent the last few weeks caring for my elderly parents, maybe it would have been uh, the ending would have been a little more uplifting for me in a way and right. i would have i it would have been higher on my list yeah but i can't argue with you it's 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 absolutely a very well-made film the performances are strong in it um the lead the actress who plays uh, the grandmother she's had a long long career uh, yeah. including in the unfortunately in the matrix sequels um but yeah but she is she's very good in it and it's a great movie can't mm -hmm. argue with you yep yeah, that's my number one. Uh, and again, this all may change by the time we get to our horror Oscars thing, but I, I have a feeling that I might recommend uh, one of these performances as Best Actress of the Year. Um, because whether it's a grandmother or it's Emily Mortimer as the middle generation, or even the daughter, who had some really tough physical scenes to do, uh, where she's like crawling through the walls and stuff and getting really dirty. Um, yeah, I thought there were great performances all around. Um, yeah, and I, I love Australian media, like I said before, and this just proves that Australia is one of the best uh, places for media in general. It's like Britain, but less rainy and miserable. There you go. So can't argue with you. My number one uh, for the year is another Netflix film. Got to give it to Netflix. They brought it this year during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite is, ironically, a bleak film and a year of bleak films but one that is so well made. You've already mentioned it. It focuses on two refugees from South Sudan and their move to England. Uh, it has a lot to say about how refugees are treated, uh, possibly how immigrants are treated here in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got a small but great cast, including a former Doctor Who in the supporting cast. And, yes, yes. Uh, they, they make it to England. Things start to happen. We don't know if it is PTSD or a true haunting. There's a twist at the end. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it is his house. 
Congratulations. You're being released as asylum seekers, not as citizens, not yet. You will be sent to a home of our choosing. You must not move from this address. We are good people. Whether or not you're good people, it's not me that needs convincing. It's a palace. This entire house is just for us. It's going to be nice. You're going to be happy. As long as you can get along, fit in, be one of the good ones. This is our home. All I can taste is the metal. We'll get used to it. forget everything we went through to get here. We are not going back. There is no witch. Get what is that? Rats. Rats did this. You went outside. This is my house! This is my house! You don't wonder what it tells me. It says I should be afraid of you. Yes, fantastic movie. I'm so glad that we both agree that this is a great movie. Because, and I, I think you, you'll agree, the, the twist, I mean, I, 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 was, I was like, okay, well, this is great, you know, visually, I love the performances, but the twist just made this movie, like, sent it over the edge of mastery. And uh, yep. you said earlier, this is the first feature film from Remy Weeks. I can't wait to see what he does next. I hope he stays in horror. Uh, he can spread his wings, his wings a little bit and, and go on to other genres, but I hope he doesn't forget horror. I hope he produces another one like this, because this was fantastic. Um, and I hope the actors from this as well go on to do uh, more work in the horror genre, because they were, they were fantastic. They really sold this really weird premise. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Wolfman Josh gave this a 10 out of 10 uh, over on HMP. I give it a 10 out of 10. There's no reason not to see it if you have Netflix. <clears throat> I do think it's a masterpiece, and I agree with you. I thought it was like an 8 or 9 out of 10 until you get to the end. And then you're right. like, whoa, mm-hmm. now it all makes sense. And, yeah, I thought they really, really – it's a movie that – it has a lot to say without being preachy. I don't think it was preachy to you about its message with you know refugees and immigrants and so forth. Not at all, because it's, it's really balanced. It, it, it presents both sides really well. As you mentioned, Matt Smith from Doctor Who, he's the 11th Doctor, one of my favorite doctors. Uh, he's really good in this because he's tough, um, and he, he initially comes off as kind of an antagonist, but by the end you can tell that, uh, that he really does want what's best for the main character. So, um, it, he kind of struck fair... me as like he's sympathetic but burned out. 
Right, right. Yeah, the system, the system has made them that way for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's, I, it's, it's uh, really brutal and, and matter of fact, but it's also fair and balanced because it shows that even the people who are working in this really seemingly unfair system are just people too, and they're just trying to do their job. Uh, and even though it's really un- unfair how they treat these refugees, they have to have a little bit of leeway. And uh, But the two main actors, I mean, they really sell it that they've, they've been through a lot, and they're just looking to, to have a new life and settle down. But as, as uh, the events of the movie go on, it seems like they're not going to get to be able to just relax. So... Um, really great. And I agree with you. It does have that extra layer where it's like, is this PTSD? Is this a real supernatural element? And we're not sure at the end. Right. Um, it seems to be pretty cut and dry that it's real, that it's actually supernatural, but there are some discrepancies between the two leads and what they see and what they yeah, experience. It's, it's so. never really completely settled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like it that way. If it had just told us straight up that it was really supernatural, I don't think it would be as compelling. So I'm glad that it's got so many different layers to it, and I'm sure this is one that in years in the future we'll be dissecting this, and people will be making video essays about it and such, um, because I think it deserves it. Absolutely. Well, that is our top ten for 2020. As we said, it could change by the time our horror Oscar show comes around, but before we wrap up, any disappointments or stinkers this year? You already mentioned Jack in the Box, which you didn't yeah, see. Yeah, Jack and Jack in the Box was it was just boring. Um, not bad, and then like it wasn't awful, but it was just boring. Um, kind of gave me a headache. <laughs> but uh, Open Twenty Four Hours was one that I was looking forward to because Jay of the Dead loved it, and yeah. I thought it was just so run of the mill. It was just so average. Uh, none of the actors knocked it out of the park for me um and it was just it looked good but there was nothing about it that really sold it to me so i would say jack in the box and open 24 hours another one that i liked a lot less than most people was um color out of space i love the Mm. original story i love nick cage in it and the alpacas and the setting and the lighting but all of the acting except for nick cage was kind of underwhelming it felt kind of amateurish um so i didn't love it as much as everyone else did in fact the first time i saw it i felt so like anxious and on edge while watching it just everybody screaming and this crazy lighting i just had to pause and like give myself some space from it for a while so i would say color out of space is my biggest disappointment because i love lovecraftian stories uh and i think this is one of the weaker adaptations i've seen well i won't say that because one of the weaker theatrical adaptations I've seen feature length ones because I've seen a whole lot of crappy Lovecraft like short films and stuff yeah I um, I liked it more than you did but I didn't love it mm-hmm. um, I think I gave it three three and a half stars out of five on Letterboxd you know I, I thought it looked good I thought Cage was great in it that was enough for me to like it but yeah I didn't didn't love it um, I, to me oh man Blumhouse's Fantasy Island Oh, wow. I watched what the a, trailer. I watched the trailer and said, not for me. Oh, such a convoluted piece of garbage. Um, and it's got a great cast, but man, it's just, it, you get to the explanation. You're like, what? Mm-hmm. This is ridiculous. Okay. And it's just. I kind of want to see it now. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. And that and also uh, a movie that. I, I kind of like the first one. It's a sequel, but you want to talk about being boring paint by numbers horror. And that's Brahms, the boy too. Oh Yikes. yeah. I cannot believe how high this ranked on some people's lists. And I, res- I respect some people's lists that I've seen this on, but 
The Boy 1 wasn't even fantastic. It had an interesting twist and an interesting setting, but I wouldn't even put that in my top 10 of that year. And the Brahms The Boy 2 was so just boring and just awful all around. It's so predictable most of the time and just so full of tropes and it's just... Oh yeah. Uh, another another one I want to mention that we both saw and were kind of disappointed by was Blood Vessel, uh, yep. which has a great premise, great sets, great, great costume premise. design. Um, that said, the acting isn't the strongest, and the writing has a lot of issues. There's a lot of holes in it, and it could have been done better. I still enjoyed it to a certain extent. I ranked this 24 out of 30 uh, in my list of all the movies I saw this year, but uh, it wasn't great. It, it certainly wasn't great. Among the surprising ones, I would say, though, this didn't make my honorable mentions or my top ten, but I will say uh, one that surprised me with its quality was The Deeper You Dig. I didn't think that was a great movie, but the fact that it was written by a family and it was done low budget, written by, in fact, the teenage daughter co-written by her, and the fact that it was it's all in the family, it's low budget, it's set in this real difficult to film in location, and the fact that it came out as uh, coherent as it did, I thought that deserved a lot of appreciation. Again, uh, I didn't think it was the best thing ever. Uh, I gave it three stars out of five, but still, I think that's worth the watch if you want to support local horror. I think it's on Shudder. Um, but yeah, I would say that most disappointing movies of the year, Jack in the Box, Open 24 Hours, and Blood Vessel... Um, and the most surprising movie of the year, The Deeper You Dig. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was okay, and yeah, I, I agree with you. For a low-budget movie done by family, yeah, I thought it was well done. I want to give people a heads-up on a movie that only streamed once this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't even put it in consideration for my list because I didn't think that was fair. It was on Shudder's kind of surprise Halloween streaming thing, and they ran a movie that's only run once, uh, it won't run again till next year. It's a movie called Lucky. Hmm. Um, that's a movie. Keep your eye out in 2021. Uh, not a perfect movie, but it has something to say. Again, it does so without being preachy, and it's. I think it's pretty good. I I never even heard of that. I wish I had tuned in, but I will be sure to tune in October 2021. Yep, absolutely. So. Well, overall, though, a good year, not a great year, not a year that had a hereditary or a get out or, you know, something like that. Or even yesterday, I was kind of watching while I was tinkering around with some things, not even a doctor sleep, in my opinion, as far as like fun, big budget kind of stuff like we were talking about, which, by the Mm. way, I rewatching doctor sleep. It's underrated. Um, But overall, a good year. And we are now entering into our third year of podcasting. We started in January um, 2019, doing our best of 2018. So we're entering into our third year. We've done two years and and going into our third year of podcasting. We have some exciting stuff uh, coming up, hopefully, including our franchise review of the Halloween films. Yes. We have some cool stuff coming up here just here in the next few weeks. Uh, we are scheduled to be guests next week, once again, on the Phantom Galaxy with Nathan Bartleball and our buddy, Big Bill Van Vagel, to talk about Flash Gordon from 1980. The best movie ever, quite possibly. <laughs> or the worst, you decide, I don't know. It's one, one of the, the best, two. One of the best soundtracks. Yes, absolutely. One of the soundtracks, one of the movies. <laughs> People will love it or hate it, but either way, you gotta respect it because it has balls. A movie I saw in the theaters on opening weekend when I was eight years old. 
I believe it. I saw, I probably saw this when I was eight years old because I can remember singing that that uh, the football uh, scene. The football fight, that, yeah. Yes, football fight. That is, that's my favorite song in the movie. I can remember humming that in class. So, yes, yep. definitely uh, looking forward to talking about that on Phantom Galaxy. We're also going to have some, uh, some, some great podcast friends on our yep. show, and we're going to be on some of our great podcast friends' show um, in the near future. Not sure when exactly that's going to happen, uh, yep. but look forward to that because we're going to have some awesome discussions, no doubt. Yep, we will be dis- we'll go ahead and let some of the cats out of the bag. We will be discussing Dead Snow in a couple weeks with the guys from the great podcast Real Talk. Right. Uh, that's going to be fun. Nothing like Nazi zombies in the snow uh, right. for a January episode. Yeah. Uh, we're also uh, trying to schedule a podcast with our buddy Andred on his podcast, Freaks and Psychos podcast. Yes, one and of the best startup podcasts uh, yes. up recently. He started it up not that long ago, and already he's got a following. So that's just a testament to the community. He's such a sharp guy. That's I right. Mean, yeah, he's such a sharp guy. We had him on uh, for Don't Breathe, Don't Breathe and yeah. he was so insightful. That was one of our best episodes. Go back and check that out if you haven't already. Uh, and I'm looking forward so much to being on his podcast. Yep. And we're also hoping to do a crossover with the gents from Retro Movie Geek at some point this year. So, yep, it's going to be a fun year. Um, we're looking to have some fun. You'll be graduating high school. That's right. Online. Online. I know. I hate that for you. But then on the other hand, You'll be close by to me, which I love. And then uh, also that, um, uh, you know, we I'll still be in the middle of my Ph.D. program. That's going to go on for a few years. So I don't get that. But you'll be applying to uh, film schools, hopefully. And hopefully, the, you know, uh, when that comes around, you can get a get a cast together. That would be nice to do a yes. short film. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so we want to can actually interact with other people. Yeah. We, we want to thank our generous supporters over at Patreon. They make this show possible and help this young man prepare and get through film school to make horror movies. You can become one for as little as $2.50 a month. We release exclusive bonus episodes over there. And if you become a Patreon, as we said earlier, you become an eligible voter in our horror Oscar show. That's right. If you want to become a member of the Academy, which is a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's right. Um, you want to vote for your favorite horror movie, become a patron and uh, check out my short film, which I posted there, uh, which I'm going to be submitting to film schools. Hopefully I got some great fan art as well from a patron. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy that. If you're patrons and if you aren't already, check it out. Absolutely. So just go to patreon.com, search for father and son, watch horror. And speaking of which, if you think, uh, listeners, if you think we missed something, it's like, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Before you get to Horror Oscars, you need to see this. Tweet us and let us know. Um, tweet our father and son uh, Twitter account or tweet one of us. And so we'll put that in consideration. If there's a movie or movies to say you absolutely must see and didn't mention. I want to see, for example, Promising Young Woman, mm-hmm. which I've heard a lot of great things about. But right now it is only in theaters. And uh, I do have theaters open around me, but I'm not willing to risk that while caring no. for elderly parents. Yeah. Um, just not willing to do that. I know you've gone to the theater a couple times this year to see Scream and what was it, Nightmare on Elm Street you saw yep. in theaters? I, and- I saw flashback uh, showings of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Street, Street and Scream. Uh, it was in the uh, those like leather chairs, and they sprayed them down. I watched them do it right before, and mm-hmm. uh, there were no nobody in that theater except for me. That might have had something to do with the fact that I was seeing a movie from 1984 in the theaters. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I that was months ago, though. I do not want to risk going out and seeing Promising Young Woman. It looks good, but uh, it's not worth it. 
Yeah. But hopefully it'll be on, it's supposed to be on VOD here in a couple of weeks. So hopefully we'll have uh, catch up with it soon and be mm-hmm. able to consider it for our horror Oscar program. Um, you can find all of our podcast episodes and more over at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. We also have a Twitter account at father, son, horror, and we have a closed Facebook group. So where can they find you online, pal? You can find me on Twitter at Kane underscore hero 12. That's K A I N E underscore hero 12. Uh, also check out my letterboxd account. I'm going to be seeing a lot more 2020 movies. So if there is something that you think we missed, uh, check the Letterbox account, see if I post a review. And if I haven't already, comment on one of my reviews and say, hey, check this out, idiot. And I will, because that's, <laughs> what, I, that's what I respond to. Uh, also, Father and So Much Horror Movies on YouTube. I've got another video in the works where I'm going to be talking about uh, my DVD and Blu-ray and VHS collection. Now with some generous donations by the father. Uh, so you're going to be seeing an extensive collection on video. Um, of course, that's going to be on Patreon first. But check out the, the YouTube channel, and uh, yeah, I'll be seeing you there. Oh, I can't wait for them to see you tear into that one box set I got you. I'm not yes. going to say what it is, but yeah. All right, so they can find me at, at Pastor Matt R on Twitter and Letterboxd. So, fare thee well, 2020. Don't let the door hit your butt on the way out. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> say goodbye to the good people, buddy. Goodbye, and uh, remember, even though the only thing separating 2020 from 2021 is just one little number, you could say that same thing about anything. You could say that about bank funds, election turnouts, even bar exam results. Uh, The only thing that matters is what you make of that little number. So let's make 2021 the greatest year for horror fans of the whole millennium thus far. We're going to be doing our part. Our podcasting friends are going to be doing their part. Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy are going to be doing their part, but we need your help too. That's right. So... Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember, the family that watches horror together slays together.